And welcome back to Harry Potter and the Reread Podcast. I'm your host, David Jansen, and joined, as always, with Kyle Jantz. Kyle, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's dark. I know we were just talking about this off the air. It's kind of funny because I'm talking about daylight savings time right now, even though probably by the time people listen to this, it's probably weeks, 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 maybe months away. <laughs> but it, it's it's always it's always a relevant topic, though, because I was super excited to get an extra hour of sleep on that weekend, on that Sunday leading into it. But then you you wake up and you live your day or whatever, but then all of a sudden it's dark by like 4.45, 5 p.m. And we're out the other day, like just running some errands and like it's 5.30, I'm like, well, time to turn into bed, time to hit the old dusty trail. And then I'm sure that you get this with Poppy and Archie, the dogs and the cat, my cat, Roscoe they don't know that the time has changed. They still expect breakfast at the same time every morning. Oh, the dogs are good. They don't really care as long as you feed them eventually. Still- <laughs> All right. So, so Roscoe's the problem then. He was, he wanted breakfast now early and he had to get used to that still transitioning to the normal time. We're not the most um, exact time. Like we vary, especially breakfast actually tends to vary in its time that it gets delivered. So they're not too routine oriented that way. Got to keep them on their paws, I guess. Keep them on their toes. Makes sense. Talked about uh, Roscoe the cat. And um, we we get introduced to another cat this series. I think it's the, well, not the first cat. Uh, McGonagall, obviously the first cat. I think the first non-transfigured cat of the Harry Potter series. And we're going to go over that a little bit. We're going to do two chapters in our recap today. We got chapter three, The Night Bus, which I, I know that you were interested in reading again after comparing it to the movie. And then we get into The Leaky Cauldron, which is uh, chapter four. And we we learn a little bit more about uh, what the kids as they get ready for Hogwarts once again and the entire scenario that's going on in the world of the, the witches and wizards as they deal with Sirius Black. Yeah, just sort of both these chapters what i thought was hmm not that much happened it was just <laughs> events were occurring so that they could slip in things that would pay off later which i thought were, were interesting but in terms of uh actual meaningful events not too much but we we'll, we'll we'll hit them up and see exactly what happens so chapter three the night bus kicks off uh harry has just run away from the dursleys after blowing up his aunt he's pretty sure he's gonna get expelled from hogwarts so he's formulating a plan that um, but he's going to try and get to London. He's formulating a plan to do so when he feels like he's being watched from an alley. So he takes his wand out and uh, performs the spell Lumos, only to be surprised by two big eyes staring back at him. And so startled, he, he falls over. Next thing you know, there's a loud bang, and the night bus has appeared. The night bus is a bus that picks up stranded witches and wizards. So Harry gives them a fake name, Neville Longbottom, and the bus takes him to London. While on the journey, lots of things happen, but the only important thing really is that we learn about escaped, we learn a little bit more about escaped convict Sirius Black, who's apparently a big uh, Voldemort supporter and had killed 13 people with a single curse. They make it to Diagon Alley, and Harry is greeted by uh, Minister of Magic Cornelius Fudge, who is very relieved to have found Harry. He explains they took care of Aunt Marge and the Dursleys will take him back next summer and he won't be expelled, but he has to stay in Diagon Alley for the last two weeks of summer. Harry asks Fudge if he can sign his permission slip to Hogsmeade, but that's a weird request and Fudge obviously says no. And that's really it. 
there's a lot more said in the pages of the book, but in terms of things that happened, that that's really it. Well, yeah, that's exactly it. Like we go into descriptions of the night bus and we learn a little bit more about the characters, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about right away. But a lot, of, a lot of action and just like a lot of things that a lot of disposition again in these first two chapters, like you said, exposition. I mean, although they talked about on the night bus, it would drive on the sidewalk and the things would dispossess themselves out of the way. So there we go. That's clearly what I was getting. I think we, st- we can start, but might as well start talking about the night bus. And I kind of figured out why I don't have the fondest memories of this particular scene. And it's from the movie. And it's the stupid talking head. The talking head that is not in the book. It gives it a different vibe than, than the book sort of gives off. Um, so that, that, that was my big revelation is that, the, no, the night bus itself, is, it's kind of cool. It's a great concept. You know, you have to have a place for these stranded witches and wizards to um like it helps them out like i I didn't understand this concept though like if you're strand like what causes a witch or a wizard to be stranded i guess can't they apparate somewhere can't they not ever take flu powder i guess so i i don't know i just i was wondering how many was just wondering how many stranded witches and wizards that, that are out there like it seemed like that there were a lot on the bus but some of them looked like pretty comfy and like wearing their nightgowns and pajamas and stuff it seemed rather I don't know like obviously you want it to be comfortable but it just I don't know I didn't really get the impression that these were other wizards and witches that were in like dire need of help or assistance or anything like that I think strand might be a um a very loose term yeah I think it's a I think what it does is it probably takes people acts as a regular bus but then also part of its magic is if you are stranded and you don't know what to do, you, you can call it, call it for help. And what I thought was good about it was it prevents them from doing something stupid, like trying to make your trunk fit on a broom and putting an invisible cloak <laughs> for all your possessions and flying to London and alerting muggles everywhere. Which is something that Harry was very much considering this chapter, we should point out. He was in, in, in dire straits, essentially, to be able to, to do something. I mean, he figured his life was on the line at this point, and he figured he was definitely getting expelled from school, which for good reason. Like, last year he alludes, he, yeah, last year he alludes to, like, having the Dobby do the magic in the, in the house and nearly getting expelled for that. So, I mean, you can see why he thought that. But it was just kind of, yeah, interesting to see him take that and then I guess the other point or the other interesting thing that we haven't really talked about yet, but just Stan and Ernie, the two uh, users or the two operators of, of the night of the night bus. So I don't know, kind of simpleton characters. I don't know, like they're, they're pretty simple minded. It seems like I appreciated that Harry used the lie and the first name that came to his mind was Neville Longbottom. I actually did get a good chuckle out of that, but for these guys to not, realized who he actually was i thought was just kind of funny and just, even just the way that like stan talks and that type of thing you don't necessarily see him as being a very intelligent folk i guess you could say yeah he definitely has sort of that sort of backcountry english accent to him but i mean he he, he fit the the job right he, he welcomed harry in made sure he was comfortable oh yeah god thing let him know what was going on i don't, I don't know they did a good job yeah found a good job that that worked for him um, I did think that it was more of a train than a bus with all the sleeping containers and stuff, but mm-hmm. 
bit, a bit of both, I guess. I don't know. I liked the idea, like the triple deckerness of it and everything, and they could drive literally wherever they wanted, and it didn't seem like it would concern them too much. So, I mean, it's a pretty sweet deal if you're driving that and don't have to worry about crashing into anything and can drive as kind of recklessly or quickly as as you'd like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the night bus. It's a bus that takes wizards places. There, there's nothing yeah. else to say. Thing in this chapter that you had forgotten about? Really? This is going to sound stupid, but I went into this in a, a chapter being like, oh yeah, this is where Harry comes across the Dementors and this is where the night bus comes to save him at the very last moment. But of course that happens in book five. So I had just kind of forgotten that it was serious, which is kind of funny because that is a key thing of this book and the reason why the night bus came. But I just had it stuck in my head that this was the scene where the Dementors oh. came with Dudley and that type of thing. Yeah. So just before the night bus came. That was about it, though. I had forgotten that Fudge greeted him when he got off the bus and, like, set the whole Fudge portion of this. Yeah, I mean, I forgot about that, too. And, I mean, it also just made note of that just because, like, it was kind of curious to... I was... As soon as he was introduced, I had totally forgotten about it, but wanted to learn more and really pay attention to the development of this character in the books because he's not someone that you really get introduced to a lot in the movies. And I mean, in the first portion or in the first or the second book, rather, I guess, the first time that we met him, he was a coward and kind of felt like a little cowardly once again. Like yeah, That's a vibe I think we'll continue to get. He, he never really um, has a heck of a lot of backbone. And then when he does, he, it's for the completely wrong things. Yeah, yeah. He, he was He's more obsessed with the fact of looking like he's in control instead of actually trying to do things that are controlling the situation, especially with Sirius and everything. So yeah, I just thought it was kind of funny because... I don't know if the, I don't know if they're elected officials or how it works, but I mean, I I consider it like a poli- like a politician's role, and sure. usually, sure, a politician, yeah. Usually, though, like you you think of any other politician, and they're usually pretty good at being able to say a lot without saying too much, or kind of at least exuding confidence of knowing what they're talking about. But I don't get that vibe from him whatsoever. No, he doesn't know what he's doing. Speaking of which, there's a few things here to me that jumped out that didn't quite make sense. Mm-hmm. You sort of mentioned this a little bit. We touched on it. They just sort of changed the expulsion rules for Hogwarts because Sirius Black escaped prison. Now, the rules didn't make sense in the first place. <laughs> this rules are rules that they've that they've changed the rules doesn't make sense either. I they were really just mostly concerned about keeping Harry safe at this point. I think so. I think all in all, that seemed pretty minor. Um, Ron makes note of it in the last chapter in the next chapter too, which we might talk a little bit about, but like, Oh, why did Harry wonders why he got away with it? And it's like, Oh, Ron says, Oh, because you're the famous Harry Potter, which yeah. I don't know. That could play a role in it as well, even though it didn't necessarily the last book either. Harry thought about this in his inner monologue in this chapter. And we've talked about it before as well. It's like, what do you do if you don't graduate school? You are still a wizard. Like they don't have a good system for, you know, Hogwarts dropout, so they can't go around expelling people. I think they're working on the night bus. Maybe. <laughs> but it's true, right? Like, they they can't, if they don't graduate, how are they legally able to do magic outside of it? And then what are they supposed to do, right? Yeah. Anything for you that, that didn't make sense? Touched on it earlier, but just how Stan and Ernie didn't 
realized that they were talking to Harry. I mean, Harry's been in the newspaper at this point. He was on the front page with Lockhart. Even in the first book, when he goes to the Leaky Cauldron for the first time, people realize him for who he is, even though he's never really been in any media or anything like that or well-known. So I just thought it was kind of funny that they didn't realize it, but that's less of what doesn't make sense and probably just more speaks to their characters anyway. Yeah, that really actually was like, really didn't make sense to me this chapter is at the beginning when Harry uses Lumos to light up the alley mm-hmm. all he sees is a pair of eyes and just like conceptually that doesn't make sense to me if you're, if you're shining a light down an alley you're either going to see the whole dog or you're not like you're not going to just see the eyes because think about those like cartoons of wolves in the forest and you just see the eyes peeking through like if you yeah the light I think he could have caught gleaming eyes but once he's shown the light, he should have seen the whole animal. He should have, yeah. I mean, like, it seems like he's seen the animal, but it was so, yeah, I don't know, still far enough away. Maybe his Lumos wasn't very strong. I, I really don't know how to explain it, but it seems like it wasn't maybe the strongest of lights. So he kind of got the general outline of what he was looking at, but not the entire picture. Yeah. It's about all that I could really think of. In general, people need to know more about Askman. Harry thought maybe he'd go to Azkaban for blowing up his aunt. Like, he doesn't know anything. And I mean, maybe it's just Harry, but the way that Stan and, and Ernie were talking about the, the Azkaban guards and like, they don't really mention them by name. And it's like, yeah, that's, I, t- I, don't think, I don't think people know enough about this prison to make it a deterrent for doing crimes that would send you to that prison. Exactly. That's something I touch on next chapter as well is the we see it over this chapter we see it over the next chapter it's a very what's the word i'm looking for yeah yeah it's like a boogeyman but it's very deliberate that the ask they're they're referred to as azkaban guards for the longest time and not dementors right i think all the characters know it's dementors but i think there was deliberate acting in the writing to just call them Azkaban guards up until that point to not give away anything of what was to come once they get onto the Hogwarts Express as well. Uh, anything else from this chapter? Uh, you know, I just, I wondered, like, what if that bus never came for him? Like, would Harry have met Sirius that night? Would, would it change the entire path of the novel? He would have went from, because it's only because he gets on the bus, he learns the horrible stuff that Sirius is responsible for. Whereas if he could have met him that night, that could have been very different. So I just, I just had that and just some general curiosity towards that. That's a good point. That's a good point. He could have explained everything. He could have explained the whole thing about the rat too, because he saw the newspaper. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was probably smart of Harry to lie about his name when he got on the night bus. Yeah. Um, just keep it, keep it together a little bit. I also thought that maybe the ministry could have done Harry a solid and made the Dursleys forget about Marge being blown up. Instead of just, uh, yeah, coming to an agreement that they were just going to, yeah, because they, they wipe her memory, Aunt Marge's memory, but they let Petunia and Vernon keep theirs. So that was interesting. Yeah. Quotes from you here. Nothing really particular stood out. I'd written down one just when Harry was having his little freak out about going to Azkaban. Where he's like, he... Harry had just broken the law like Sirius Blacks. And she's kind of like, calm down, buddy. Like, it's okay. It's okay. I thought after Fudge refused to sign Harry's permission slip, (laughs) I'm sorry, but rules are rules. But literally one second ago, he talked about how they had just changed the expulsion rules. Yeah. So 
I thought that was kind of fun. And then um, there was one where after a while, Stan remembered that Harry had paid for hot chocolate, but poured it all over Harry, Harry's pillow. And I looked at this for a number of reasons. One, hot chocolate on a bus is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Two, if that, even if we agree that, okay, you get hot chocolate on the bus. If they poured it and they got it on your pillow, I'd be like, okay, pour me another one and don't get my <laughs> pillow this time. Like, still get me a new pillow. Like, a few things there that don't make sense for sure. They're just kind of funny. All right. Well, we're at that time. And this will be interesting. So last week we, we lined up pretty good mm-hmm. on most and least valuable, but this week nothing happens. So how we make these decisions are going to be interesting. Yeah. Did you go I, with for least valuable? I had to do a little mental gymnastics to kind of validate this, but I, I, I just went with, uh, with fudge for this one, just because it seems like, like you had pointed out there, like the rules didn't apply for Harry not being expelled this time around, but then the rules did apply for not signing his Hogsmeade permission slip. And it just, I kind of just thought like, also, why does, why does he need to be there to get Harry? It seemed like they knew that that's where he was going to go. Like he's hunting down this alleged convict and I'm sure that he has someone else on his team who could have met Harry at the uh at, at the leaky cauldron just to check in on him and make sure things were okay i don't know i didn't really think that he necessarily needed to be involved in in this portion of of the rescue and he had other things to be focusing on i also chose fudge my thought was if you're so worried about black going after harry that you're so relieved when you finally locate him because they didn't know where he went after he blew his aunt up mm-hmm. why wasn't there someone watching the Dursley house the whole time. The whole time. That's true. Yeah. Like if you think that's where Sirius Black is going, why aren't you uh like why aren't you there? Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense for sure. All right. What about most valuable? <sighs> like Harry by default, like he just had the thought to like go over to the leaky cauldron and find a place safe. He kind of lucked into the the night bus, I guess. That was really only the only thing that I could thought. I already said Tom. He seems like a good innkeeper as well, but that's it. There, there wasn't anyone who was relatively good, I guess, or valuable. I picked the night bus. Uh, <laughs> Not Stan or Ernie, but... <laughs> no, the actual bus. Uh, it, you know, it exists to rescue wizards. Like, I don't know, what else do you need here? Yeah, it did its job. Yeah, the operators, they didn't ask too many questions. They just picked up the wizard, took him where he needed to go. Moves fast, doesn't create traffic accidents. Uh, there was not a most valuable opportunity here. So yeah, that's okay. All right, that's fine. So maybe there'll be more interesting things to talk about here in chapter four. I think so. Um, yes, yeah, so we got the leaky cauldron. And so Harry's now living at the leaky cauldron. He's got a room there for like the next two weeks and before school starts. And he's has this incredible freedom that like he's he's never experienced before. He can go out during the day and explore all the shops and he's learned about this brand new firebolt broom that's the latest and greatest model um he wants really badly but he decides to to restrain himself so he just focuses instead on doing homework as he gets like free ice cream sundays from a shop owner every half an hour for being there like he's he's really living a good life at this point um 
he goes to buy new robes since he's grown and bought a few new books for the new classes. Uh, he learns, however, that Care of Magical Creatures book, the Monster Book of Monsters, is for an upcoming class uh, that Haggard had given him, and then also a divin divination book. So he's off to get those books when he sees a book entitled Death Omens, What to Do When You Know the Worst is Coming. And on the cover of the book, there's a big black dog on it, which is similar to the one that Harry had seen in the alley there before he got saved by the, uh, by the night bus. So the next day, Harry uh, goes down into Diagon Alley and he sees that Ron and Hermione are there. So they all talk about all the new books and all of Hermione's new classes that she's taking, how she'll ever find time to, to sleep or really get all the work done. Um, Ron also mentions that Scabbers is, is feeling ill, so he's going to have to get something from him at this pet shop that's nearby while Hermione decides, you know, she'd maybe like to get uh, an owl with the uh, birthday money that she just got recently from her parents. So they all go into the store, and as uh, Ron is there trying to get this rat tonic for, for Scabbers, a cat tries to attack the rat inside and jumps on Ron and there's a big commotion and Scabbers runs away and Harry and Ron leave the store to trace him down. Uh, meanwhile, Hermione comes out later and she's not with an owl, but she has Crookshanks the cat. And it's the same cat that tried to chase Scabbers and, and beat him down. So Hermione's thrilled with her new cat. Um, Harry gets to meet all the rest of the Weasleys who are there. Arthur says the entire ministry is trying to track down Sirius Black. Percy's been promoted to head boy for this book, and Ginny is still awkward as hell. They all have a meal with each other down at the Leaky Cauldron and then uh, are about to head off to bed. They're all in their rooms uh, and upstairs when Ron realizes that he left his rat tonic downstairs. So Harry volunteers himself to go down and get it only to overhear of like a really heated conversation between Molly and Arthur, which kind of confirms some of the things we've been talking about the last chapter. But Arthur confirms that Sirius Black is believed to be chasing after Harry as he wants him dead. He confirms that up until his uh, escape from Azkaban, he had been in his jail and muttering about how he's, he'll be at Hogwarts in his sleep. Um, Molly doesn't want Arthur to tell Harry the truth. Meanwhile, Harry, uh, Arthur believes that he needs to protect them, but they all eventually, I guess, kind of settle on this plan that he'll be safest in Hogwarts with Dumbledore and the quote-unquote Azkaban guards that Dumbledore has agreed to guard the entrances to Hogwarts for this upcoming school year. So Harry heads back to his room and just kind of settles in, kind of realizing the gravity of the entire situation. And that that ends our chapter. Um, yeah. So I think where we should start with that the ministry, fearing for Harry's safety, decides we'll leave him unattended in a foreign place for two weeks while we uh, wait for school to start. Tried, I tried really hard to wrap my head around how this was a good idea. And I get it. I get it. There's probably people looking at, oh, for him, watching around, whatever. It's unlikely anything will happen while he's in Diagon Alley. Mm -hmm. 13. Like, can you really take care of yourself at 13? No. It's pretty young. Ice yeah. cream every half an hour. That's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> that should be on the shop owner as well for giving that to him so, so willingly. So... I just think, you know, if you're worried about uh, someone being murdered, 
very irresponsible to leave them alone. It's true. Yeah, I guess where you can just wander around the whole time. That's the thing, right? Like the, it's not like he had anyone checking on him. Like Fudge's orders were to don't go back into the Muggle world, right? Just do whatever you want at Diagon Alley. But I mean, besides Tom, but like it's not like Tom the innkeeper was watching his every move once he left the Leaky Cauldron. And it's not. It's not like it was. Don't leave the leaky cauldron mm-hmm. here for two weeks. Okay, that's fine. Or, but I don't know. It just it seemed uh, irresponsible. Yeah, it, it seems it seems that way for sure to kind of give a kid free range. I mean, he showed Harry showed some good restraint and like not just blowing through all of his money because he realized like the grand scheme of could, things could have done that too, right? Like you don't know you don't know Harry's spending habits. Yeah, he was irresponsible with money. <laughs> Well, it seemed like the only thing holding him back from like blowing it all was the fact that he wouldn't have been able to like ask the Dursleys for more wizard money, essentially, or for wizard money to go buy his books and stuff. So it seemed like that was holding him back. But yeah, could have could have went either way. I mean, ultimately, he enjoyed the freedom a lot just to be able to stroll around. And it's kind of interesting to see that. But yeah, anyone would in that situation, for sure. Just not how I would treat someone I think is a target of a murderer. <laughs> there should have been some more uh some more protection absolutely but that is that is life as we have learned a lot of things don't make sense in in the wizarding world they kind of do some questionable things yeah they're not always uh they're not always on the on the right arrow um a few th- I, this chapter was nice i like this one because i didn't really remember the details out of this chapter it is very much a setup chapter yeah but it was like, I forgot he was there for two weeks. Mm-hmm. In my mind, he was only there for a few days. And if he had only been there for a few days, it's a lot less irresponsible. But you move on. Yeah, no, I, I totally forgot about that as as well, that he had that much time to himself and that he had kind of just settled in there for, for like a little mini vacation, essentially. Yeah, I had also forgotten that he started worrying about the death omens like so soon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He saw the... I guess he must have seen the outline of the dog. He did, yeah. The light, it just wasn't made clear in that first chapter because then he sees the book and then he's starting to worry about it, which is weird. I couldn't imagine seeing a book about here's what a death omen is and then immediately seeing death omens. But again, maybe I would have if I was 13. Maybe, yeah. I think it yeah, plays a lot into, I believe this is where they read the tea leaves later on and he gets the dog, of course. So it plays into the overall theme, of course. But yeah, just to make those connections right off the bat, like it must have looked pretty eerily similar to what he had seen already in the in the alley in order for it to draw that, that parallel. But who knows? Yeah. Uh, anything you hadn't remembered? Really, those were the key things too, just that he had had that much time. I had... Uh, I remembered obviously like the all of the uh whatchamacallit the crookshanks and that type of thing i know that she made her debut here but uh those that the biggest thing was really just kind of the the main chat idea that he had all that time to himself uh this this chapter something i had forgotten was that the 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 twins had bewitched percy's head boy badge to say big head boy big head boy and i just thought that was funny i had a good laugh at that too just like, oh, yes, I'm going to make this joke. Uh, and I thought, no, that's a good joke. <laughs> like, it's a good prank. It's a good prank. But you were about to say there are a lot of things that don't make sense. 
Yeah, I, I just I go back to this monster book of of monsters. So in the chapter, Harry goes in to buy his books and the bookkeeper is like, oh, you're Hogwarts, aren't you? And automatically assumes that he's going to have to go and get this book. So there's about 100 of them that are all caged up in there and they're all attacking each other. Pages are flying all over the place. Why are you paying full price for a book than when these books are just like shredding each other apart and you're not necessarily going to get the knowledge or any of the, the pages within sometimes like every book's going to be a little, look a little different, have different information, be missing a lot of key information. And just to put people through that as well, to be able to go and grab these books is just again, ridiculous. On that line, I had, I had written down, why don't the bookshop people know how to tame the monster book? <laughs> the publisher should have given them some instructions when they ordered 600 of them or whatever. Don't they stroke the spine, don't they? Yeah. 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 That, yeah, that is true. That should be some, some necessary information. <laughs> and I mean, we already talked about to me, the two biggest things that, that didn't make sense. The one was obviously the whole Harry being left for so long. And we also briefly talked about how, why are you giving a kid ice cream every half an hour? That's way too much. ice cream. That's a lot. Yeah. And like, are you trying to kill him? And you're like, oh, I hate Harry Potter, but I'm going to kill him via lactose. Like, a- kill him via love. Yeah. Perceived kindness. Well, the other thing, though, is just like, I don't know. It, I got on onto the thought of this book, and then they go through some of the classes, the new classes that they're taking, and divination and care of magical creatures. Is care of magical creatures are really a necessary class. Like, I'm just wondering, like, what good use it is for people outside. The, the order you listed those classes was divination and then care of magical creatures. And you think care of magical creatures is the <laughs> class. <laughs> I mean, they take a lot of dumb classes. So there was a thing in, in the chapter where Harry wanted to buy this like astronomy set or whatever. Yeah. And then I'd never have to take another astronomy class again. If that's all you need to know astronomy, why are you taking any classes? Like, I agree. It's Some true. of the classes they take don't seem valuable the the muggle studies one is valuable hermione taking it doesn't make sense but yeah every there, there clearly aren't enough wizards that are taking the muggle studies because it seems like none of they're all very clueless but yeah there's a portion in there where ron questions hermione on why she needs to take this class when she lives with muggles and she says so oh, i'm just fascinated to know what how it's seen from the wizard side or to learn it from the wizard perspective whatever perspective they have is wrong or correct (laughs) does it matter what they think they are wrong exactly on hermione i didn't know why she didn't buy an owl like she went in to buy an owl and then she bought a cat i i do the same I if I went in with an owl and looking for an owl, but then I saw a cat that I was really drawn to, which she is, then yeah, I would I would go that. I get that there's the bonuses or whatever of having your mail delivered and that type of thing, but yeah, I'd rather have the cat. She seems so set on an owl though. She was set, and then yeah, and usually when she does set her mind on something, that's that's the final answer. So that's true. But having worked at a humane society before some people could seen it firsthand where you know you just get emotionally attached to an animal right away and it changes everything yep uh but again if we're talking pets 
how you can just buy a pet and bring it to Hogwarts still blows my mind. Well, that's the thing, right? Hermione doesn't know how to. No, no. And that, that made me think like, do they have litter box? Does she have litter boxes? Does she have all the necessary toys? And where is she getting all the food? Whole year? Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. Animals eat a lot of food. You... It, pet care is a big responsibility and should not just be taken on like that instantly. Yeah. Do her parents want the cat after she gets back? Like, surprise, I brought home a cat. To boarding a cat every summer? Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. Cats at school seem bad. Just as bad as all the other animals. Especially when rats and mice are allowed as pets or toads. or It doesn't seem like they have any limit on what can or can't be no a pet. Yeah. <laughs> um, the only other thing, and, and I think I've already talked myself out of this, but let's just touch on it briefly here. Why did Molly and Arthur have that conversation at the bar and not in their room? Especially like how heated it was. Like there's a portion where... Arthur's like slamming his his yeah. fist on the the table and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it doesn't make sense because clearly it was loud enough and, and garnered enough attention. That does seem like something that should be done in a much more private setting because it, it's not like they were gone for long. It's not like they were all fast asleep and they had been down there for a few hours additional. It seemed like they went up, oh, forgot the rat tonic, went back down pretty quickly. Yeah, the, the only thing I, I kind of thought was maybe they were sitting at the bar having a drink or whatever. And that's just where their conversation took them. They weren't planning on having it. Yeah. But it just seems like they probably should have been smarter than to have that conversation in the bar. Yeah, that's very true. Um, I was just like, it's always fun to look back on kind of the foreshadowing that you see in the books. Like there's just small little lines that you can read over the first time and don't think anything of it until you know the full context. And we got one of those in this chapter when they're in the the pet store there at the animal store and the shopkeeper's talking about how rats are only supposed to live like three years. So the fact that this one has been like a hand-me-down pet from Percy to Ron and has lived for such a long time, like you don't think anything of it the first time you read it, but you don't, it just goes right, over, right, right under the radar. Yeah. So that, and then I was just wondering, like, is this really the first time that Harry has seen, seen Ginny since the Chamber of Secrets? Like, that's a major life event for both of them. And it doesn't seem like they had any type of debrief session afterwards. They didn't, they didn't leave the school immediately, right? They had their feast and they canceled. Yeah. And sort of, so they probably did. But yeah, they, it's just something that they don't talk about. I, just, I feel like she shouldn't be any more nervous or awkward after sharing that type of experience. When you have that type of shared moment between each other, you're, you're no longer awkward around another person, I would have to say. Agreed. You at least have something to talk about. Like, hey, remember that basilisk? Like, yeah, just a few. Remember that time I almost murdered all the people <laughs> in school? <laughs> yeah, so that was a few of my thoughts. On the foreshadowing thing, not really important foreshadowing, but I like there was a throwaway comment about the Irish being the favorites for the World Cup. And mm-hmm. The Irish win the World Cup in the next book. So, oh, I didn't know that. I just like uh, continuity. Like they were the ones who ordered the all the the firebolt brooms. I'm guessing then, yeah. And speaking of those, I I really I felt for Harry when he just went and looked back at that every day, even though he knew he couldn't buy it. But that's what mm-hmm. I do with golf clubs. I just look. <laughs> <laughs> if I had this, 
I wouldn't need these perfectly usable golf clubs that I currently have. It's true. I, I thought problem. I found the initial like description. Like it reminds me of like a golf club or any type of sports equipment description, right? Like it's the aerodynamic twigs and the the weight sensitive, like all the different like scientific like jargon that's used to describe like a golf club or a hockey stick shaft and flex and that type of thing. So I thought it was kind of funny that that portrayed into like their their own sporting equipment as well. Even though I I don't really think that the Wizarding World really bases a lot on the foundation of science. So it's kind of funny to all of a sudden see it being used to describe these these fire bolts and these brooms and that type of thing too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Any quotes that jumped out to you here? I enjoyed um the the bookkeeper when he's going on about how horrible these monster book of monsters are. And he says, I thought we'd seen the worst of it when we ordered 200 copies of the invisible book of invisibility cost a fortune and we never found them. And it's just like, kind of like a, I don't know. It, obviously it's something that happened and he's very distraught about it, but it just seems like a dad joke as well. And I also appreciate that the, the two worst books that they've had had like the same title structure of the something book of something and using the same word twice monster book of monsters invisible book of invisibility so i had a good laugh about that and then um just had touched on it last chapter and i was going to bring it up this chapter but there's um i think it's arthur saying like and then there were these azkaban guards that everyone was talking about so like azkaban guards azkaban guard guards not dementors so it's just kind of interesting how the language choice that was used over the past two chapters definitely and it sets up the reveal i uh, wrote down the last quote of the the last sentence of the book is my quote and i just i'm glad you did i'm not going to be murdered harry said out loud that's the spirit dear said his mirror sleepily i just (laughs) thought that was funny i just thought you know that is that's that's the spirit believe in it yeah you probably are but it's fine did the mirror, was it Harry's reflection that was talking back to him? Was it just the mirror? Okay, just the mirror that talks to him. It could have been his reflection, but the way that like paintings can talk and stuff. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. All right, so here we are again. And again, nothing really good and or bad happened this chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, where did you go? I actually forgot to write down notes, so I'm going to have to rack my brain here a little bit to think about it. But like that's the thing, right? Like no one really stood out as being like particularly good or particularly bad I guess maybe could say Arthur and Molly for having a very intimate conversation that they shouldn't have been having at that point I I I wrote them down as like a candidate they were very snooty Percy was just being weird when he was like pretending that he hadn't been I've met Harry before, but that's... Yeah, he extends, like, the... Yeah, that's just him very formal and stuff. Like, I think that's just his... Who he is as a character. I I did eventually go with with Ron, actually. I thought Ron's reaction to Hermione buying a cat was a little overboard. Cat hadn't really done anything. No. The cat was just the cat. Yeah, so so I went with Ron. um, But, man, that's a tough break for Ron, because... (laughs) there's not a lot so where do you want to go uh for most no for least who are you are you going with i'm gonna i'm gonna go with the weasleys for it i'll stick with my original thought there okay hopefully we don't have too many weasley uh parent choices here and we don't have to separate the two of them but that's fine 
Okay, what about most? Um, on the flip side, I guess I have a lot of respect for Hermione who purchased or got the cat that had been there for three years without anyone getting it. So yeah. good on her for, that's for giving the home. Down. <laughs> that's hilarious. Come up with, and that's the only it's, thing come up with. It's the only thing that I can really think of, right? Like you can give it to the twins maybe for their pr- practical joke, but I'm going to change my least valuable. I got to find the guy's name though. We're giving least valuable to that ice cream shop. Uh, that's that's a good that's a good one actually yeah um he had a weird name it was like it starts with an f finian phineas yeah ice cream shop was named after him Mm -hmm. Uh, florian fortescue that's the name so we're gonna go with florian fortescue (laughs) don't give kids ice cream every half an hour not a good idea all right so so there we are that was the two chapters that we've had today to talk about today Um, yeah next week we will talk about well next week we're going to get to hogwarts and the books always pick up um, when we get to hogwarts so next week we have a couple longer chapters actually um we have the dementor which essentially is a chapter about the train ride to hogwarts and we have talons and tea leaves and outside of they do like have their first divination class. I don't know what else happens in that chapter and it's 20 pages long. So there's got to be something else. (laughs) Maybe a Quidditch match or something. We'll see. Maybe a Quidditch match. Exactly. (laughs) Excellent. That's, that's, that's what's coming up. You want to follow us on Instagram or give us a shout on email. You absolutely can. You can follow us at Harry Potter reread podcast on Instagram also send us an email with your thoughts, Harry Potter reread podcast at gmail.com. I'm David and that was Kyle. And uh, I don't know. That was a time. That was a time. <laughs> I, just, I, I just, we read those chapters and I thought, man, that was enjoyable, but nothing happened. But nothing. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. It was a uh, good filler for sure. Learned a little bit more. Uh, got to uh, new readers got to get reestablished or reaffirmed in some of their stuff about the history and some of the things that they might have missed. But other than that, it was just a, a pleasant trip through Diagon Alley. Yeah. Speaking of filler, that's all we're doing right <laughs> now. And uh, there's no need. So, like I said, I'm David and that was Kyle. Bye.